Hello and welcome to another episode of Freight to the Point. I'm Richard Fatal, your host and Zencargo's co-founder. So, long-term or short-term? That's a question we're hearing a lot at Zencargo and over the past six months rates have been dropping, but when will they bottom out? When should shippers be locking into those long-term contracts? You know, particularly now is an interesting time. It's the key decision point in the trans-Pacific trade. When will rates pick up again? And you know, what's going on with cargo flows? These are questions I'll be exploring with Patrick Bergman, CEO and co-founder of Zanetta. Welcome, Patrick, and thank you so much for coming back on the show. Hey, Richard. Pleasure being here. I think you nailed it perfectly in terms of some of these challenges with the market today, but we'll get into that. Awesome. And for those who don't know what Zanetta is, Zanetta is a tool that Zencargo use, and it allows us and many other players in the market to benchmark the global ocean market and the air freight market as well and help them to understand where rates are and how they're trending, uh, leveraging a lot of data points that they collect across the market. And we find it a very useful tool. So let's talk about the market. Let's talk about where rates are, you know, their historical context. Of course, you know, businesses that have been budgeting and, and rerunning transportation budgets, uh, especially those where transport is a significant part of cost of goods sold, you know, will have been putting in numbers in December that showed a substantial benefit from transportation as a line item in their costs. You know, this year is a good year for shippers when it comes to realizing benefits from transport cost reduction. And I would say, you know, since those budgets were set, rates have continued to fall. But can we maybe set this in historical context? You know, like, how does the market look? And I, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than uh, maybe the headlines in terms of rates are at very low levels. Can you give more color to that, Patrick? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's huge differences from which trades you operate on. Let's um, categorize them in sort of like a few big front holes outbound from Far East into Europe, US, uh, South America, East Coast. The, the, those are some of the biggest trades. They're all sort of more or less back to pre-COVID levels, but we can see that for South America and for US, some of the GRIs in our data sets now and our early days somewhat sticking. Um, so just to give you an example, we're talking about South America where the rates is about $700 higher than the beginning of March, right? So that's a quick uh, substantial increase. Let's see if it sticks. But this is happening while the long-term market is trending downward. So they're sort of meeting each other again now, which uh, has been expected. US West Coast down to... 2019, 20-ish levels, not fully on, on the contract side, but trending in that direction. If some of these GRI sticks, it might seem that we reach some level of sort of bottoming up, depending on how much the carriers are able to pull out of the market in terms of capacity, sort of balancing supply and demand. On the back holes, we are seeing some of these trades back to pre-COVID level. But for instance, US West Coast to, to Far East Maine, which is down it's not back to the levels we saw in 2019 fully, right? But there, it's so low levels that I would say most shippers don't negotiate that hard anymore, right? Because they've already seen substantial uh, reductions. And then one last cluster of trades, which is transatlantic, right? Where we, if you look Europe, US uh, East Coast, it's, it's fallen off a cliff as the main holes that I started talking about but they're still almost double of what we saw in 2019, beginning of 2020. So there's more potential reductions there. 
And then on the South America, East Coast to North Europe, back and forth, those both of those directions are elevated relative to 2019-20 levels. So it's it's not it's not fully sort of the whole world is back to pre-COVID levels at all, to be honest. Really depends on where you ship from and to. Well, you know, I guess we know from our basic economics that in a competitive market, and it seems like we've seen from recent behavior that the market is somewhat competitive, that prices when there's a lack of demand can really fall to marginal cost. But when we talk about 2019, 20, 2020, carriers, at least say from their side, and many market players have run calculations on this, that cost levels have very much changed over the last you know, four or five years. So you know, maybe we should be thinking about 2019, 2018, 2020 levels as not necessarily the baseline you know, to reference. That doesn't mean that rates can't go there or go below there for a short period of time. But as I understand it, Fuel prices are higher today. There's different fuel regulations for the carriers. There's the IMO and, of course, challenges in terms of inflation and labor prices across the board. Yeah, and, and, and chartering rates are high. But, but Richard, I, I usually point this out that I've seen rates from Shanghai to Santos for $50 over the last 10 years. And I've seen it for $20,000. Right. So none of those price points has anything to do with cost. Right. It's a pure supply and demand uh, balance that that drives prices, and I think this is what we've been seeing uh, over the last six to nine months as well. That it's simply been too much capacity relative to the cargo that has been moved, and the reduction of volumes into the U.S. in particular, and also into Europe, has has been more than the carriers anticipated, and has has come with worse consequences than the carriers foresaw. So this has been a brutal reduction for them, and and we will see the full effect of this when they report their Q2 and Q3 earnings. And then if they turn it around in that period, then they can have maybe a healthy financial Q4 at best. But this is going to be a struggle for them because, as you said, their cost base is increased and now rates have fallen off on some of these big volume trades significantly. And they will be looking to deploy more capacity into some of these trades that are still holding up which is creating downward pressure on those as well. We're talking about carrier behavior. I think, you know, we've seen since the start of the year, um, the carriers took some lessons from the beginning of the COVID period where they really learned that taking capacity out of the market can have an impact on the, the rates. And I think they dipped their toe in at the beginning of the year. They maybe didn't react fully in line with the rate of the reduction in demand. But now we've seen the last you know month, uh, month or two, very, very significant reductions in capacity. And that, that a lot of people are speculating is behind the current ability to try to implement a GRI, etc. To what extent do you think this is kind of like an opportune time? Uh, because, you know, obviously uh, on the TP trade, there's the negotiations, etc. So it's very important to kind of take capacity out now. Or, you know, do you think capacity will come back in? I think it's for, for both of these main contract sort of periods going through the first half of this year with European importers and exporters and US-based ones, I think it's already too late, to be honest. They won't see new contracts signed, signed at elevated levels for, for the first half of this year. We can already see that in the data sets, right? And we already see tender rounds coming in as we follow through one or two or three bidding rounds as well. And, and that, that is too late. What I think is different now is that when COVID hit, their wallets and their pockets were empty. Right? They, they, had, they had hardly made any profits for six-ish years, right? And I know there's some cyclicality to that, so don't get me wrong. But 
overall, there wasn't a lot of prof uh, profitability. And, and now they're trying to adjust things, but from a financially sort of sound position. So that has made them a little bit, I believe, slower. And they haven't seen the urgency as they did when COVID hit. And that's why they're too late now to have any meaningful impact for 2023. That doesn't mean that they can't move things around in, as I said, Q3 and Q4 to jack up the spot market, right? But for now, there's too little cargo, too much capacity still. And what would really benefit the carriers if there's a sort of restocking uh, event uh, over the next, you know, four-ish months with, uh, with an almost like an artificial increase where they have pulled that capacity again, that's what really might change the equilibrium enough for these initial first GRIs that we've just seen for them to stick properly. Well, you know, it's funny that you talked about them being cautious and being in a better position financially. I think sometimes we talk about the market like it's a real commodity, like, and, and you know, there is an extent to which it's like a commodity, but obviously carriers have direct, uh, you know, contracts and relationships with end clients. And there is a service dimension to this. You know, when carriers think about taking out capacity in order to react to changes in demand, in order to stabilize the market and also ensure that they're not, you know, running empty, that reduces the service frequency, it reduces the reliability, and to the extent that customers are loyal to any one carrier, it means that they might go elsewhere. So, you know, making a, a very quick decision uh, can always be a challenge. And it looks like for the rest of the year, for the next sort of 18 to 24 months, we're going to be going through a period where capacity is coming in and out of the market, and therefore instability is something that people uh, need to be, I guess, ready for in terms of service levels. With the market now looking like it might be bottoming out and with the potential introduction of GRIs, how do you see contracting in the market? How do you see, let's say on the main hall lanes, uh, you know, in particular, Asia Europe, Asia USA, how should people be thinking about contracting a part of their business? Yeah, I think that depends a lot to sort of how sensitive you are to this cost element in terms of your, the profitability of your business, right? So if you're a low value, low margin commodity, then you're more sensitive to sort of getting the absolute cheapest rates that you can get your hands on, right, in the market. And on these front holes, I, I would say it's a little bit of a gamble to strike the long-term deals uh, as, as it's been in the past, the 12-month period. So for those, I would say there's like two options, either go uh, maybe six-month validity or choose an index provider that ensures that you're staying in line with the market and make sure you have some level of commitment from the carrier or, or the forwarder you're working with to perform relative to that in index. And then if, if you're a slightly different business, uh, you're not that sensitive or exposed to, to sort of movements of... Uh, two, three, five hundred, six hundred US dollars, then I would say it's a really good time to to lock in a long-term deal. I would I would very much agree with that because if you're locking in a long-term deal now, in most cases you'll be paying a small premium to the lowest levels that we've currently seen in the spot market. You know, they're not trading at significant discounts. And therefore if you're in the commodity market, you're paying up versus your competitors who are on spot, you're not getting an advantage. And it means for the short term, you know, there's more risk in doing that potentially. Whereas if you've got stable flows, uh, less, uh, you know, and, and some cargo which has less seasonality, consistent flows throughout the course of the year, and you can sustain current levels within your margin, by contracting at this point, you're really at a, a relatively low cost of transportation and you ensure a certain level of service. So long as you're, you know, 
accepting an, a within market rate, you know, you're not accepting, let's say, a teaser rate or a rate which is artificially low, you should be supported by the carriers. And of course, there are kind of tools like uh, Zanetta or your freight provider um, can, can, can guide you on that, you know, in terms of where, um, what, what's a reasonable level in order to make sure your cargo clears over the longer term. I think that's the way I would look at it. The one thing I would say beyond just, let's say, cost of goods sold or transport component in terms of the way of thinking about it is we like to stratify our customers a little bit in terms of their seasonality. And that might mean that we suggest, you know, some amount of cargo, which is on the spot market and some amount of cargo, which is contracted, allowing them to have a little bit of flexibility in terms of volumes. Yes. And you can obviously also choose different in order to sort of hedge your bets a little bit, depending on how much volume you have, obviously, you, you can also choose so, some part of the volume to go on a 12-month and some part of the volume to go on a six-month. So there are there are sort of numerous in-between scenarios here that they can pick and choose to sort of hedge their bets a bit. I think the point is that now is a good time to engage in the conversation. You know, rates are at lower historical levels. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to be thinking whether the benefits uh, you know you, you've benefited from in terms of being spot uh, you know should now be locked in in terms of contracting although uh, I, I would say that it's still trade specific so how I would think about transatlantic north south moves versus these big frontal trades would be very different yeah yeah hundred percent and I, I, I guess you know what, what one more thing to touch on and it's the big kind of elephant in the room and you and you raised it which is like when is the demand coming back and uh, you know, it's funny, it's it's tough to draw trends at the moment. We do see positive data out of China. I think we're encouraged by, you know, the latest economic data. We're also seeing inflation levels a little bit lower. So some of the um, monetary policy that we're seeing globally is starting to bite, starting to have an impact and that natural stabilizer coming through the economy. And, um, you know, that seems positive. That said, many of the conversations that we're having and the order flow that we're seeing you know, we're still seeing businesses in a destocking trend and the, the order books look like they're not really picking up until Q3. I, I don't know, how are you seeing it in your customer conversations and what's your, what's your thinking then? So in our latest customer webinar, we, we asked this question and we had more than 100 companies participating. And, and keep in mind, we work with quite significant volume players, right? Only 25% of them reported that they see no volume reductions for 2023. Everybody else, 75%, reported either a, a decrease, but it's from 1% to 50%. And, and 20% is reporting 1% to 10%, everybody else north of that. So we have a, a rather pessimistic view on what we can see over the next, I would say, at least quarter. I would love to see some sort of positive curveballs. Uh, it's too much maybe to ho hope for a sort of Russia-Ukraine war to, to come to an end in that sort of timeline. But... Um, Either the carriers needs to be really sharpening their knives and cutting capacity in order to meet the volume reductions we're seeing and hearing, or we need some Axwon curveball event like Ukraine-Russia to, to sort of create more positivity, to create some change over the next, I would say, one to two quarters. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are talking about Russia-Ukraine as being a real accelerant, yeah. because not only will it give a lot of confidence to the global economy and mean that order books pick up, but it will also specifically in Russia, Ukraine, where, you know, the ships haven't been going and where there's been much fewer cargo flows, mean that, um, you know, generally after a war, there's a, you know, there's a boom and there's a period of, you know, reconstruction. And so there'll be demand 
you know, on top of uh, the kind of global fillet that we would see, we would see localized demand as well. But of course, you know, no one can predict what's happening. Yeah. We can only hope for a kind of swift resolution of the situation. Uh, and in the meantime, everyone's kind of watching watching the numbers at the tills and trying to see, you know, when the pickup is going to be. But but at least what we're seeing from the macro data is no significant continued deterioration of the economy. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So on that, I guess we've explored the freight market. And, you know, I, I would say I conclude, you know, from what you're saying, Patrick, that now is a good time to engage on kind of freight market strategy to think about you know, where the markets have bottomed out. Again, it's trade specific and it's nuanced and it really depends on your business strategy and the peculiarities of your business flows. But do reach out to the partners that you work with and start to have that conversation because, uh, you know, the market looks very different to how it looked three months ago and six months ago. And, uh, you know, timing is good. I'd love to have this conversation again, Patrick, in a few months' time when, uh, you know, we've seen how, how it's played out. Absolutely. Looking forward to that, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Freight to the Point. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tune in again.